Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Believe in OK State podcast. Our host, Megan Robinson, is taking a bye week, but we've got you covered. I'm Justin Southwell, joined by Eve Batoba and a special guest. But before we get to our guest, let's hear from today's sponsor. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and features. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. Bet online where the game starts. And where the game starts this Monday is with our boy, Monday, Nehemiah Mundy, one of the greatest former teammates of ours, Straight from LA Monday. Welcome. Let's go. <laughs> Glad to be here. Glad to be here. How y'all doing, man? It's been a while since I've seen you guys, man. Everybody's look still looking young. Young Southwell in the corner. Got Eve Batob looking yes, real sir. good. Bro, last time I saw you in person was what? Uh my wedding day, right? The wedding day, dude. Three years ago. Three years ago. I love it, man. Yeah, man. I, let me just tell y'all something about Monday. It's everybody knows like all the big names in the program. You know your Brandon Weedens, you know your Des Bryant, you know your Kendall Hunters. But this dude right here is one of our favorite teammates of all time. Always kept the locker room loose. Uh, he made the tough days easy to get through. And man, we just always appreciated Monday whenever he would come through. Man, uh, one of the best teammates, one of the best wingmen that you could think of. All that, all that. <laughs> <laughs> he was the best. Man, uh, Monday, I don't know if you've been keeping uh, up this season at all, man, but, you know, we we had a game against Kansas, and we got them to bowl eligible for the first time since 2008, bro. Like, what what did you think about that game? What do you think about the season overall? Uh, man, first off, first off, I'm from L.A., went to Oklahoma State, loved it there. One day I might – end up living out there one day man uh i miss it out there you know it's it's easy going the water's still hey man cost <laughs> um, of living ain't cheap out there bro boy la is man i'm telling you it's getting worse and worse you know price wise anyway but you know you can't beat the weather out here but uh that's for the season ah uh, i don't want to call it a wash just yet um when we lost to kansas dude i i, I didn't even believe it Cause I didn't, cause our game, the time we don't get the games over here. So I was just getting the highlights a little bit and I couldn't believe that we were getting blown out. But then I, I, uh, our quarterback got hurt. Um, so it's, I just never knew Kansas got that good. Like how did they get that good? Like who do they have? I saw this one dude, we could, well, we couldn't stop the run and you know, that'll lead to not be able to uh, prevent the pass because then you have to defend both because you don't know what's coming because you can't stop either war. But um, – and our offense wasn't doing much either. So it was just 
it was, you know, it was tough to watch. Just watching the highlights, it, was, it just looked bad. And then, you know, I saw them take the uh, field goal post down. And I was like, man, they act like they beat Alabama or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you know what, though, man? That's one of the things that I said, you know, three losses this season. But in every single one of the losses, the team has rushed the field. Right. You talk about TCU, Kansas State and Kansas. And I just thought to myself, I was like, you know what? Maybe that says something like we could, you should take that as a compliment because we have terrorized some of these teams a lot since really since 2009 ish. So, you know, hey, they're they're getting their shot back at Oklahoma State. Go ahead and rush the field. Now, with that being said, like KU is bowl eligible, so they probably would have rushed the field no matter who it was against. Right. Uh, right. Um, our when we were our first year there. What was our record? We only lost maybe out of our three years there, four years there, we maybe lost four games, I think. Well, when I graduated anyway, because I'm I was a year a uh, year ahead of you guys, I believe. Yeah. And we only lost like three games in those, or no, four games, I think it was. So, you know, it kind of spurs from that because that's when we started, you know, getting in a big time conversation, you know, and uh we was I, I've noticed we've been getting a lot of big time recruits too coming to OK State. So I could, I could kind of see that, you know, and it's uh, Midwest, you know, that we got a lot of rivalries, dude. And, you know, it's <laughs> like every week it's a rivalry game. So it's kind of expected, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, and it's it's kind of tough, too. It's, you know, two road games in Kansas. <laughs> and we all know it's tough to win on the road, right? But um, obviously whenever you've got the injuries going like we do, it seemed like there was at one point, it seemed like every other play somebody was getting hurt. And I was like, dang, man, are injuries contagious all of a sudden? What's going on? But I there's still a ton to play for, right? I mean, we still oh, yeah. have probably the three, arguably the three weakest teams in the Big 12 left on our conference. And Iowa State, OU, and West Virginia. And the last thing I want to see is for the Cowboys to drop one of those three games because yeah, that essentially puts us in that bottom tier when – we know based on what we've had earlier this year, we're a top 10 team whenever all of our guys are healthy. And we're going to probably see that come bowl time. You know, everybody's going to get that month off and be able to recover and rejuvenate. And then we're going to blow some poor team out of the water more than likely. But that being said, we did get a nice look at what maybe the future is going to look like. And Garrett Rangel at quarterback. And so freshman first game on the road, he went 27 of 40 for 304 yards. He had two touchdowns and three interceptions, but a few of his interceptions were, you know, maybe a little bit unlucky, I guess. Yeah. Monday, did you get to see any of the game? What did you think about what, what we got going on with this freshman? I watched I watched him play. I like him a lot. Um, I watched him go through his progressions. He wasn't staring down his receivers. Um, and I, when you see that from definitely a young quarterback, you, okay, this guy has promise, you know, because, uh, you know, that's a big no, no, especially in college football, you, you just stare down your receiver, you know, you, that's where you're going. Uh, I remember my boy, Brandon, we didn't used to do that sometimes, you know, we <laughs> will pay for that, but the only um, person that's not done that on our squad is Jace Chilcoat. Jace Chilcoat. My man, Chili. <laughs> Looking one way, throwing another before mm-hmm. was the cool thing to do. Yeah, so people bro. don't even know that he invented the no look pass. Like he was yeah, the bro. They stole that. Uh Mahomes stole that from Choco, bro. I don't care what no one says. To this day, dog, I'll never forget that. 100 percent Oh man. Was, I, I stand I, say, on though, that. I, I saw one of his plays, like you were saying, he wasn't staring down his receivers, but it looked like at 
a few times he wasn't necessarily going through his progressions by any means. I think on one yeah. of his interceptions, actually, we had trips to right formation and we mm. ran a stick pattern, that whole formation over there. And the backside was just a simple fade. And I know the receiver, he didn't necessarily run his route in the way that you would think he would go up to catch. And so that's why it was intercepted. Looked like he kind of shut it down or maybe he was expecting the ball to come inside or something like that. But timing, you know, from those guys getting to know each other a little bit more, I think that we're going to start to see the more that they're together, you know, getting on the same page really standing out in the future. So I'm, I am pretty excited about that. I, it looked like a lot of his deep balls, those passes had a nice tight spiral on him. And, uh, you know, for a freshman quarterback coming in here and doing that on the road, like I said, pretty impressive. So I am a little bit optimistic about the future. So whereas, uh, you know, Spencer Sanders, he may return next year. He has that option. Right. And if he doesn't, it's not the end of the world. You know, it's kind of like, all right, we've got the next piece in place. And we can continue rolling. So, yeah, I think that's probably the thing that was most promising for me is just seeing that he does have the arm talent. I think in the type of offense that you run, I mean, great. It's great if you can have that elusiveness, right? But I think the most important thing is that you can get the ball anywhere on the field, right? As deep as you want it to go or sideline to sideline. And it does look like uh, Garrett can do that. And one of the best things that could happen for this team, honestly, is going into the offseason, if Spencer Sanders does not return, is what is a quarterback battle going to look like, right, between Garrett and between Gunnar Gundy uh, out there? I hope that it is a competition, that the competition goes all the way, and that there's a clear, definite, okay, here's the winner of this thing, because competition only brings the best out of you. I was just about to bring up young Gundy. Um, I saw him, I think he got in uh, against Kansas State. I liked him a lot, yeah. dude. Well, from what I saw from there, I, I kind of like him better than the starting quarterback. Of I, You know how I am when it comes to talent, judging kid talent, right? Yeah. I liked his progression. I liked his 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 gutsiness. He felt like he was, you know, when he got in there, it felt like it was natural to him when I saw him play. So I think it'll be a good quarterback battle next year. But if I had to put my money on somebody, I think I'm going to have to go with Gunner, man. For real, seriously. I don't know. Something nice. about something about it, dude. I, something about him I like. I really do. I love that we have the option. I love that we have that depth and the competition. And Eve, like you mentioned, and I'm kind of getting ahead a little bit, right? Because I'm going to talk really quick about competition. I think that that's what made our team so great. That competition all the way down to the scout team. Yeah. Where these guys are competing against, you know, our first team defense. You got Mike Robb back in the backfield. Yeah. Like he didn't take any days off, you know, he had that competition, (laughs) very competitive group of guys. And I think that's part of the culture that we saw whenever we were winning a lot, just that, that competition. So uh, Eve, I think you, you had seen something that one of our quarterbacks, former quarterback, Clint Shelf, he had said. Yeah, man. So, so former OK State QB Clint Shelf, what he said was um, during a pregame show last week, he said that culture is easy to talk about when you're winning but it needs to stand out after a loss, right? I think that's when you really see what that culture is made of. I thought he made a really, really good point. And honestly, Monday, you brought it up earlier. We were fortunate to see some of the winningest teams in school history. I remember in 2009 and 2010 and 2011, every single time that we attended the senior ceremony, they talked about, oh, this is the winningest team in school history. And it just continued on, right? So (laughs) I I just want to ask you, bro, like what do you think it was about those teams that led to so much success? 
the thing that led to so much success for those teams were when we hit adversity, we didn't let it phase us. We always felt like somebody was going to make a play. Uh, someone's going to get an, a turnover, interception, fumble. Justin Blackman's going to break loose. You know, it Hubert Anium, all those guys. We always had that confidence that hey, no matter how down we are, we could always come back. And it, and it showed in every game. I'm, every game I think we were down, we came back and won it. Yeah. Except for one, I'm not even going to bring that up because we're uh, fortunately playing them this week. Too so, soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Though. But that our our way to handle adversity and uh, not fear the moment or get down when bad things happen. And I think that's a problem with uh, this current team right now. When they face adversity, I I can see like their body language kind of you know they're they get into a funk and it like kind of trickles on to down to every other player because. A lot of the big plays that happened uh, last week were, I felt, preventable. I, I don't think they were going as hard as they possibly could. It was like they just gave the game away pretty much after mm. certain things happened and when it got out of hand, you know. But And we were we were never like that. You know, we always try to fight back no matter the score. or, And that's a, I believe that was a big difference for us. Man, that body language plays such a huge role. I remember a few times in practice, whenever something would go wrong, the coaches emphasizing, no, no, you go, or whenever something would go right, actually, coaches would say, no, you go over there and you celebrate with your teammate. Like yeah. you celebrate your teammate because it is depleting for the other team for them to see that, right? That y'all are together. You score right. a touchdown, you celebrate. First, you go out there and you celebrate. And uh, it's it's great whenever you can get the leadership messages that come from the head coach and the coaching staff. But right. it's so much better, man, whenever it actually comes from the players themselves, like key players right. in the locker room. I remember the one game, it was a th- we were playing, we we're wearing black uniforms, we we're playing University of Colorado. And we had given up a kickoff return. We gave up yeah. a touchdown on kickoff. And yeah. Donald Booker came on the sideline and he ripped the entire kickoff team. Yo, yeah. South, you, you were talking about it last week, about the importance of like chewing out the, the players versus not chewing out the players. But when it comes from one of the leaders on the team, because he was a starting yeah. linebacker because Ori Lemon went, went out with a knee injury. He yeah. came and he chewed out the entire team. He goes up to the, to the special teams coach and he says, hey, take him off. Put me on kickoff on the next play. He said, put me on kickoff. The next play, he goes down that kickoff. He goes to the opposite side of the field, dove, and made the tackle. He said, that's how you're supposed to do that. And then what happened that game is we were down, and we ended up coming back after a punt return touchdown from Parrish Cox. Cox, uh, A a great performance by Brandon Whedon to come in and relieve Alex K. And that's how Breeding the Black Woman uh, was first formed. But I'll never forget Donald Booker being that spark that really yeah. started everything, man. That that's the difference right there. I don't know if we have any like crazy, truly crazy guys like Donald Booker. I mean, he's one of a kind, but you know, I don't necessarily see that on these squads right now. You know, it's a different era. I get it. Uh, you got you got a guy just like a walking concussion machine. Just like <laughs> oh right. <laughs> Yo, between Book, who who else do we have? Who are some of the craziest teammates we played with, bro? Book. Lucian Antoine. Lucian Antoine. That boy Antoine would lay Andy. That boy did not care about it. He didn't care, bro. Hey, we would fight. We would fight in practice every day, dude, because we would, they would try, like, with the scout team to start D, same thing. We would get hit. Me, Mike, Rob would get up, talk best. You know, we had some, but it it was pure competition. Like, yeah. 
we all respected each other, but at the same time, we all wanted to dominate each other. You know, it was just that, yeah. especially after we watched that youth, the 30 for 30, watched the youth. Oh, that. that got everybody fired up, man. <laughs> Had everybody fired up. Everybody was doing crazy stuff, but. Yo, I'll never forget that practice, bro. After 30 for 30, <laughs> the U came out. The following practice was one of the most memorable practices of all time, bro. Every single play that was made, people was belly rubbing. People were doing all kinds of celebrations, bro. It was T.A., Peacocks. Like, oh, I think the defense dominated that practice, too, bro. Like, it was it was something about that U documentary that did it for us. Yeah, yeah man. Those were, the, Gosh, those were the days, man. Those were the days. That's, that's the kind of culture, I think, that, you know, whenever you – form a bond a brotherhood with your teammates like that and you're just willing to do anything for them you know it doesn't matter if you've lost a game you're going to you're going to show up the next day and you're going to continue to compete you're going to do what you can to win um now kind of getting back on track here gundy said in his press conference today that he's not a big transfer portal guy and uh he he doesn't necessarily believe in that he wants to develop his players that are here so eve can Cowboy culture stay intact if we bring in transfers? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Coach Gundy is somebody who cares a lot about the character of individuals, right? If you're going to come into the program, you have to be somebody who can add to the culture and not take anything away from it. You look at the past couple of years, I'm actually kind of surprised that he said that because he has gotten players out of the transfer portal every single year, right? So I'm not sure why he was saying that. Maybe he has information that, the rest of us just don't have yet. But when you look at, for example, the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, they have a guy who is the backup running back is outperforming the starting running back. Oh, by the way, he played at Oklahoma State last year. Oh, by the way, he was a transfer, right? So he came out of the transfer portal. So there's a lot of value to be found in the transfer portal. So I'm not entirely sure what Gundy was talking about as far as him not being a big transfer portal guy, but Hey, you see, you see it happening at Ohio State. You've seen it happen at LSU right now. People who have been picking out of the transfer portal, University of Southern California, and they're finding great success doing that. So it can only be, look, if you don't get with the times, like what's happening right now, you, you risk getting left behind. And right. we're not at a point in our in our program's history where we can risk getting left behind right now, bro. That's a great point. And Monday you've got some experience with this because you transferred from UNLV. Uh, talk a little bit about that experience. Was it like, um, you know, adapting to the cowboy culture, if you will, what was that like? It was first thing, you know, coming from that side, the West side. Um, when I first got to Stillwater, it was definitely a culture shock for me. It was, uh, it's like night and day. Everybody was friendly, nice Southern hospitality, all that good stuff. We we don't have any of that in LA. So uh, that didn't take long to get used to. Um, when I came on campus, it was, I was surprised that a lot of people already knew who I was, you know, based off, you know, what I did in high school and all that stuff. And they, people would like, you guys are so diligent. Well, the fans are so diligent at looking at the players who's coming in and stuff like that. You know, I used to have uh, fans come up to me and say, hey, you're this, you're the transfer, blah, 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 Nehemiah money, whatever. And it's like, it would like blow my mind. I was like, bro, I didn't, you know, I didn't do anything in a couple of years, but you, you know, you know about me. So it was, it was an easy transition 
because of the culture. You guys welcomed me in with open arms for I think the first dude I met on campus was Bato. Yeah. Eve. So yeah, we met, I think, at the student union, right? Yep, yep. And we all passive. We, we thought we were enemies. We were like battling for a position or something on the team back then. So <laughs> didn't take long. Yeah, yeah, it didn't take long, man. And uh yeah, the transition was pretty smooth. Um we had one other player from LA. He came and kind of gave LA players a bad rap. But other than that, <laughs> I think um, the issue with the transfer players is the drama that kind of comes with it, mm. especially if he was a big recruit or something. They expect them to either get in and play immediately or make a difference immediately, especially if he's, well, a sophomore or junior. But if they're young, it's it's that pressure is kind of on them too. And it could, you know, uh, crush a player because me coming out of high school, I was a at the time, the number one defensive back in the country coming out, I was supposed to go to USC and all that stuff. Um, but getting recruited when I went to UNLV, I was like the pressure of just, you got to be that guy all the time. Like you, you have to be that guy was, you know, immense, you know, and coming from somebody that wasn't necessary. I never gave into the pressure or I never felt it on that magnitude where all the eyes are on you at practice you know, me, everybody's always asking you questions. So it can be a circuit at, at times. Like knowing Gundy, I think that's probably the issue he'll probably have with it. Not the fact that, you know, he doesn't want to bring players in. He probably just doesn't want to deal with the circus behind it. Yeah, and I think maybe part of it too is, you know, the, maybe the way that the question is phrased to him, uh, the way that he doesn't believe in the transfer portal as a means of overhauling his roster. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the way that he's answering it because really he's had major success, in my opinion, in the transfer portal. And if they, if Oklahoma State wants to, to give that effort, I think Oklahoma State could absolutely crush it every year in the transfer portal because you got yeah. guys that maybe weren't excited about coming to Oklahoma State, going to Stillwater for four years, but now you got one or two years and you can come in and make an immediate impact. And the closest that we've really gotten to a big 12 championship in the last decade is because of guys like Jalen Warren transferring from Utah state, Tay Martin coming in from Washington state. And so I think that not to say we don't believe in our players and who we've recruited, but like to be able to supplement them with some other guys for competition to elevate that a little bit is something that's absolutely needed. Um, and you know speaking of go ahead i was gonna say i even think back to 2013 right we already had a pretty good secondary and then we go and we get a grad transfer from uh kansas and tyler patman and tyler comes in immediately just has an impact i'm talking about like the first four games it seemed like he had the game changing play or he scored a touchdown on special teams or something like that and then of course he goes on to play for the dallas cowboys and the jacksonville jaguars and the miami dolphins but you know, you don't get that if it's not for a transfer. Now, I get it. It's turned into kind of the wild, wild west ever since the transfer portal was introduced, but there's so much value in that portal. Absolutely. Well, let's go around to the Big 12. Uh, we've got TCU remaining undefeated after defeating Texas Tech 34-24. Uh, this week, college game day is going to be in Austin, Texas at TCU and Texas matchup. So what are you guys expecting from this game? Eve, what do you got? Oh, look, man. I want the Big 12 to be represented in the college football playoffs. 
if Texas wins out, the brand name, I don't think they're going to get in, okay? We need TCU to stay okay. undefeated to give us the best chance. So I think that, um, you know, TCU's QB max, I think hopefully, you know, he stays upright, he stays healthy. Um, honestly, I want Quint Ewers to stay upright, to stay healthy as well. It's really going to come down to, is B. John Robinson going to be able to expose that TCU D-line? Um, but also, hey, can TCU actually score enough points to offset – uh, what their defense doesn't do. So yeah. uh, I think it's it's going to be a lot closer than people might think, right? You're talking about scheme and great coaching versus, you know, also good coaching, but more talent. Uh, but I think ultimately TCU ends up winning the game uh, in a close matchup. Oh, snap. Monday, what do you got? We've, we've got, real quick, we got kind of a joke, an in, inside joke here where <laughs> Monday makes weekly predictions We've been doing this since back in the in the locker room days. And he would come up with these crazy predictions, and I'd be like, there's no way. But then he Maybe. has spoken. <laughs> Nehemiah so, Mundy. Somehow they just happen, speaking, right? Speaking into existence, what is going to happen in this TCU-Texas matchup? First, I always ask, what do I always ask you? Who's the home team? So, well. Who's the home team? Texas is home this year. Oh, man. Texas is home okay. this year. So, <clears throat> as of, as what uh, Eve alluded to, TCU can score points, right? We all know that. Um, their defense is not great. So, <clears throat> Texas, the fact that they're going to be at home, they got the crowd around them, which could cause turnovers, which can cause it we. We've been there, heard the crowd. It's loud as it's obnoxious there. So they still got a good shot. But in the end, I think I'm with Eve on this one. I got to give it to TCU in the end, winning probably like 28 to 21, dude. That's it. 28 to 21. Dang. Okay. Well, I'm a little bit different from you guys. I think Bijan Robinson, he just keeps looking stronger and stronger week after week. TCU's run defense isn't anything special. I think Texas probably learned. After playing Oklahoma State, just give the ball to your pro running back and let him win the game for you. And so I think that that's probably something that they're going to lean on, expose TCU's defense, and come out with a win. So I, as much as I would love TCU to win and continue to represent the Big 12, I think this is where they ultimately drop one, unfortunately. Um, but if we kind of look around the other side of what happened last week, OU lost to Baylor. 3835 and uh Brent Venables said the word discipline in his post-game press conference 17 times. However, OU is the most penalized Penalized team team. in the Big 12 this year. Uh is that surprising to you guys at all? Yeah, it is. I'm not gonna lie. Um I I don't like saying anything good about OU, but (laughs) you can't you can't take away from the pedigree that they've been able to build over the past, you know, few decades. To see them be as bad as they are this year, uh, it's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. Uh, you know, the, I think the best Bedlam matchups are the one where both teams are strong. They're coming into it. And there can only be one one school in the state of Oklahoma that leaves out victorious. Uh, you know, which, of course, is going to be the case. But, you know, whenever both teams are kind of losing, I mean, I mean, look, don't don't get me wrong. The fan base is still going to be out there. We're still going to be routed. We're still going to be supporting. But it's definitely support. Uh, it's definitely surprising to see not only OU losing, but being as undisciplined as they have been and as penalized as they have been. 
and I hate I hate to say it or bring it up, but they made a mistake, man, when they let Bob Stoops go, bro. Like it's like their whole you let such a polarizing figure go. And when when that happened, I knew I was like, Oh, you will never be the same. I don't think, well, I think will... he stepped down though, right? Didn't he just kind but of hand the reins? It over? was kind of like I knew they were going to either get rid of him or he had to step down, right? Because when that happened, I was like, all right. Because I think he makes the school. He Dang, made... bro, you don't you, you don't give Lincoln Riley any credit? No, zero. <laughs> zero credit, bro. Bob Stoops, bro. Like, for so many years, I used to grow up watching these fools play, and I always hated OU. I'm not even – I was – even from Oklahoma, I just never liked them as a, but they were always in the top five ranked, always going to the bowl games. All since I was fucking sorry, since I was like uh, 15, 16 years old. So uh, once they got rid of him, I knew it was, it was that program was kind of gonna crumble, but you, you never know, man. A couple of seasons in, they might turn it back around, but he was just such a polarizing figure that. People just would just go there just because it was Bob Stoops. You know, they the program was like always up there. Um, they were always well coached. There, but ever since he left, it's like I don't, I can't even put my finger on it. What's the problem? There, it's like it's just, yeah, it's it's not the, it's not the same. You know, I mentioned it in well, a previous episode Monday. I said that typically whenever a new coach comes in, at least their side of the ball, it gets corrected first. I thought that their defense, right, being that Brent Venables is a former defensive coordinator, right. at least the defense was going to look a lot better, but they are getting yeah. ran yeah. through. <laughs> yeah. Well, the hardest part, I think, about defense is, like, you're just going to fail, and it's just a matter of how the degree of failure it is, right? So. Right. Uh, I think some of these guys, maybe the the reason that they're getting penalized is because they lost a lot of guys, obviously, in the transfer portal to USC and other places whenever Lincoln Riley left. But what when do you typically see penalties for defense? I mean, it's guys that are getting beat on routes, that, and then they're trying to, like, hold to make up for it, and, and it's getting called and things like that. So I'm not super surprised by it because it's probably going to take a few years to get that corrected based on bringing in your guys, bringing in your recruits and yeah. working right. in the offseason. Well, what is that? What do penalties come down to, right? Discipline, right? And that's that leads to coaching. Whenever we would get penalties, you know what happened to us? Yeah. You know, you running, bro. <laughs> like, so you don't say you're running yeah. out the practice, you got this penalty, you were getting pointed out in film session. Like, it, you know, you were held accountable for those, you know, and so you wouldn't want to make penalties, you know? I don't know right. how they're approaching it over there, but – like we, I don't think we, in our years when we were there, we weren't penalized. We weren't one of the most, the top uh, penalized teams. I don't believe so. No, we were pretty good about that. We were pretty good about that. Well, Hopefully that trend continues this week, man, because, uh, <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're going against Iowa State, bro. And, uh, <laughs> you know, la last week, Iowa State, what they did is they snapped their five-game losing streak. And they beat West Virginia 31 to 14. So now they're four and five on the year and one and five in conference play. Uh, Monday, so you played both receiver and DB whenever you were at OSU. And lately, neither side of the ball is really doing that well on our side. Is, is there a scheme issue or is it really up to the players uh, to step it up? It's up to the players, man, because scheme can only get you so far, man. So what I see on defense, the the players are they're following the scheme, but they're not making the play. 
like, oh, fill this gap. You know, I see the linebackers filling the gap, but they're not going to make the tackle. It's just like, I filled my gap. I did my job. So the person behind me is supposed to be there to make the tackle. But I see them. They're right there. They could literally just lean over and tackle them. Right. So scheme can only get you so far, right? You got to be, well, you have to want to be that playmaker. And from what I see, I just don't see anybody on our defense that's, it's willing to like put in that effort, that extra effort to be that playmaker. Um, I like, I kind of like our corners though. I don't think they're that. I don't think it's more of the quarterback having a lot of time to throw because I, our, our corners are pretty much in position. It's just the quarter. I see them. They just have all day to throw sometimes. And that's when, uh, you know, you create big plays, but again, that all starts from, when they start running the ball, you can't stop it. You know, you can't stop the run. You can't stop anything. That's what my dad used to tell me when, you know, I was growing up. But it's it's the truth. If you can't stop them from running the ball, they could do whatever they want to you because you don't know. Then play action, boom, boom, over the top, touchdown. Um, as for the offense, right now I think it's just our quarterback's down. Uh, he pretty much is the playmaker on the, on the team, right? So he's out. Um, we've got some O-line issues too injuries on yeah. the O-line it's hard for us to run the ball We're, we haven't been able to establish the run like we have in the past I think that that's really right. struggling uh, but that's when Spencer you know comes in handy right because he can run and right throw. he makes up so for it he yeah. makes up for it right so when you have a guy that could do both like that and uh, make the defense guess it's 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 real hard to you know game plan for him you, you, you know man we had a game plan for Robert Griffin, bro. So you know how that was. So it's right. it's it's the same, it's kind of the same thing, you know, not particularly on that level, but still it's 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 yeah. when a quarterback can run, it's not that easy to defend. So when we're missing him, it's it it's showing. It it really is because we become one dimensional too fast. We're getting down. So now we all we can do is throw. You know, we're yeah. one dimensional way too fast. And that's that's one of the big issues we have right now. So with that being said, are you worried about Iowa State this week? I'm always worried about Iowa State John, since they beat us. Like we've we've they've had in a couple of years, dude. They had our number, bro. They've had our number, and it's it's never an easy game. It's never since I can remember. I can't remember us like just completely dominating Iowa State. I could be wrong, but as far as I can think back, I. I where it's just complete domination, I I haven't seen it. So they're always a problem for some reason. I don't I have no idea why. They're always a problem for us. Yeah, I think especially whenever we're up in Ames, Iowa, they're a problem. But you know, thankfully we're getting them at home. Okay. And um I think right now, man, they're 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 hopefully they're not picking up a bunch of momentum with what they were able to do against West Virginia. And I think I, I just hate Iowa State, man. <laughs> Can I say that? I, I hate yeah. Iowa State. <laughs> like I just I just I'm so sour, bro. We could have been we could have been national champions, bro. I'm still sour about that. I'm so sour, man. So sour. Sour. I you know, I am a little bit worried since even though we are at home, uh, because you know, Xavier Xavier Hutchinson has in his last few games, I mean, he's pretty much guaranteed at least 10 receptions and a hundred yards. It's a matter of keeping him out of the end zone. Last year, he got in the end zone technically three times. If you remember, one of those was actually called back on a unsportsmanlike penalty, unsportsmanlike mm -hmm. conduct 
penalty and they they waved the touchdown off the board. It didn't matter. He went and scored anyway. But he's still there. Uh, and just the way that we've been playing recently, you know, it's it is a little bit scary. But I do think we will bounce back. Uh, last year, Tanner Brown missed a couple of field goals. I think this year he turns that around. We've seen that he's been a lot more oh, yeah. reliable. And I think that he gets his redemption against Iowa State in the same way Oklahoma State got their redemption against Iowa State pretty much from, what, 2012 all the way through, I don't even know. Like It seemed like we just beat him every year after that, even if it was close. Yeah. yeah. So one thing we used to do in the locker room was whenever we had to make game predictions, we would go up to Monday and we would say, Nehemiah, and it was time to go into the crystal ball. Hey, Monday, what is your prediction for this weekend against Iowa State? Oh, man, because I remember it vividly. Our, my senior year, I predicted we were going to beat Iowa State like 28 to 7, and we got upset. And that still haunts me to this day. Every time I hear Iowa State, I, I get nightmares. Literally, I it bothers me. But this is a different year, different day. Um, we have them at home, as you said. I don't think Iowa State's that good. They got that one receiver like you were uh, mentioning, Southwell. But if we get established in a run game, I think we, we beat them pretty handily. If we could just establish the run game and don't – get outscored too fast, too early to where we uh, become one-dimensional. I got Oklahoma State 28-14. Justin, I say it's going to be one of those games where they they just kind of hang around. We're going to establish a lead, but we're never really going to pull away as much as we would like. Final score will end up being OK State 28-17. to Nice. We're kind of all on the same page. I think I would love for us to be able to jump out to a lead and, and maintain that, but I can't trust this team with that. It seems like we're always playing from behind. So if we're going to play from behind, we do need to step it up and actually come through. And I think we will. Um, and I have that kind of to the tune of something like I was thinking like 27, 21, mm. um, probably a really ugly game, but yeah. Uh, and even though he can't, speak like nehemiah we do have the segment picks with bix he still made his pick and he chose oklahoma state come on bix oh man there we go so we'll see what that means i don't even know what that means (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uniform predictions this week are very easy i would imagine it's a blackout game so i'm guessing we're gonna go all black you guys have any uh predictions other than that all black Phantom Pete logo. That's what I was thinking. Phantom Pete logo. It's good. Um, One of the slickest looks. Yeah, it is, man. I seen it. It was looking nice. Man, I wish we had all the jersey selections when we were playing, dude. <laughs> that would have been sweet. But all right, well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up, man. Uh, it was a pleasure for you guys to join us this week for Believe in OK State Pod. And we want to thank again our sponsor, Bet Online. So until next time, go pokes. Go pokes. Pokes, baby.